Welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to Season 4 of A New Voice of Freedom, written by Ronald Keith Messer. This podcast is part of a series we call Stories of the New Testament, an appendage to a series of books written under the banner In Defense of Christianity. Podcast 142 examines Matthew chapter 17, 1-13, Part 1, The Mount of Transfiguration. Matthew 17 contains one of the most unique events in Scripture, the Mount of Transfiguration. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into an high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. The Oxford English Dictionary defines transfigure as follows. To alter the figure or appearance of, to change in outward appearance, to transform. On the Mount of Transfiguration, we have the following description. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. That, of course, is a foreshadowing of his resurrection. In Revelation 1, John describes the resurrected Lord as follows. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle, His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. Paul had a similar experience on the road to Damascus. In Acts 26, in his account to King Agrippa, he said, At midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven, above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me, and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the prick. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul further tells us that in the resurrection, we too will have a transfiguration. Those who live in the celestial glory will shine as bright as the sun. Only this transfiguration, which is the resurrection, will be permanent. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption, 
It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body, and there is a spiritual body. Paul tells us that he was caught up in the third heaven. John the Revelator also saw the kingdom of heaven. And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign for ever and ever. Therefore, we may look at the transfiguration on two levels. One, of course, the literal level, where it actually happened, which we shall discuss in this podcast. And two, the analogical, symbolic, or metaphorical level, for it is a foreshadowing of the resurrection of all those who live in the presence of God with the holy prophets. According to John the Revelator in chapter 21, the earth will also be transfigured. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. The transfiguration is not a resurrection, of course. Following the transfiguration, in a rather short time, Christ was crucified by being nailed to the cross. But apparently, during the transfiguration, a change did occur to the extent that his face as well as his garment shone as the sun. It is not unreasonable to assume that all who were caught up on the mount were also transfigured. Besides foreshadowing his death and resurrection, the transfiguration reveals some very important concepts of church doctrine. First of all, perhaps, we should ask, why did Christ invite only Peter, James, and John? Those three apostles have special privileges not afforded the others. They were the only apostles invited to witness the raising of the daughter of Jairus from the dead. They were also the only three apostles near enough to the Savior who witnessed his agony in the Garden of Gethsemane. What special position did they hold in the church? One clue is given in Matthew 16. Six days earlier, the Savior said to Peter, And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Keys represent power or authority of the priesthood of Christ. Key is the perfect metaphor for keys have the power to lock or unlock something. Because of expense, keys were not as common in the days of Christ as they are now. They were used only for the most important things. Christ is telling Peter that he will be given the power to lock or unlock the kingdom of heaven. Were those keys given on the Mount of Transfiguration? Otherwise, why was Moses and Elijah there? 
He would also be given the power to bind on earth and in heaven, meaning that the power is everlasting. In addition, he would be given the power to undo that binding. It is no coincidence that six days later, Peter, James, and John are separated from the other apostles and accompany Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. It appears that Peter is the chief apostle, and Peter, James, and John form a kind of leadership for when the Savior leaves, which is not in the too distant future. In 2 Peter 1, Peter gives a personal description of the event on the Mount of Transfiguration. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Other prophets are there with Jesus on the mount who also have special keys. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. Moses holds the keys of the gathering of Israel, but who is Elias? Elias is a title as well as a proper name. Elias is the Greek for Elijah, a well-known prophet of the Old Testament. When the name Elias appears in the New Testament, it means Elijah the prophet for the Old Testament. For example, in James 5 we read, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. The account is found in 1 Kings 17. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. The peculiar thing about both Moses and Elijah was the manner of their death. Of Moses, Deuteronomy 34 records, So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab, over against Beth, Peor, but no man knoweth of his sepulchre unto this day. And Moses was a hundred and twenty years old when he died. His eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated. How is it that he died if he was in perfect health? There was no witness of the death of Moses. Of course, the most spectacular event was that Elijah was taken to heaven without tasting of death. Second Kings 2 And it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, and parted them both asunder, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. We can naturally assume Elijah was on the Mount of Transfiguration. In Malachi 4 we read, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Some argue that the transfiguration is a fulfillment of that prophecy. However, the great and dreadful day of the Lord refers to the second coming of Christ, as described in Matthew 24. 
And we can add to the strangeness because of the three apostles present. There's another anomaly that is the strange story about John, known as the Revelator, and the mystery surrounding his death. When Peter asked Jesus about John, the Savior's reply was very strange. John 21, 21 through 23. Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Then went this saying abroad among the brethren, that that disciple should not die. Yet Jesus said not unto him, He shall not die. But if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Earlier, as recorded in Matthew 16, the Savior said to the apostles, For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Verily I say unto you, There be some standing here, which shall not taste of death, till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. The Apostle Peter wanted to immortalize the event of the transfiguration by building tabernacles. Then answered Peter, and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, and one for Moses, and one for Elias. It would have been a wonderful thing if instead they had built lasting monuments. At least we would know where the Mount of Transfiguration was. It was a very strange gathering, especially for the three witnesses, Peter, James, and John. One of the things that all the participants have in common is that they all held special keys relating to the kingdom of heaven. And then the most spectacular thing of all occurred, as at the baptism of Christ, the apostles hear the voice of Elohim. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud, which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. That is final testimony that Jesus is the Christ. The apostles are frightened. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. Christ comforts them. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, and be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man, save Jesus only. Imagine the apostles' disappointment when the Savior said to them, And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, saying, Tell the vision to no man, until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. Don't you imagine that each of the three disciples were anxious to tell the other apostles of their glorious experience? Why did he charge them to say nothing until after his resurrection? I suppose there are functional reasons. Perhaps the other disciples and the masses were not prepared for such a message. Often Christ shied away from the limelight, but he never shied away from boldness. Therefore, there must be a deeper reason. The peculiarity of faith is that it is never based on miracles. Faith always precedes the miracle. And only through the eyes of faith could such a marvelous vision or experience be comprehended or believed. The three apostles are puzzled about Elias and ask, Why then say the scribes that Elias must first come? The answer Jesus gives is puzzling because he introduces two Eliases. The first Elias clearly points to Elijah of the Old Testament. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elias truly shall first come and restore all things. The second Elias refers to John the Baptist, because Elias also means forerunner. 
Jesus uses the reference to John the Baptist to foreshadow his own death. But I say unto you that Elias is come already, and they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. Then the disciples understood that he spake unto them of John the Baptist. We learn important doctrines from the story of the Mount of Transfiguration. One, we learn that the Father and the Son are two separate beings, a lesson we were taught at Christ's baptism. Two, we learn that there is life after this world. Three, we learn that those who live in the presence of God are filled with light and power and glory and shine like the sun. Four, we learn that God's house is a house of order. The keys of the priesthood are real, and God gives authority to his apostles and his prophets, and they hold the keys of heaven and earth in the absence of the Son of God. The story of the Mount of Transfiguration stands as a testimony of Christ and the glory he promises to everyone who follows him and endures to the end. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.